We're talking today in the second in the series, To Your Advantage. And last week, Al talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is God, that he's personal, which means he can be lied to, he can be delighted, he can be grieved, um, he can be talked with. Um, and the analogy that Al gave, which I thought was really helpful, was, was like the Holy Spirit is our coach. And a coach is somebody who needs to be invited to be the coach. You know, if you're a, we talk about Emma Raducanu, inviting different people to be her coach. There have to be an invitation uh, to be a coach, but also a trust that there is a trust that in the coach that we, we know the coach's heart is good, that God as our Holy Spirit, as our coach, has his heart towards us, is always good. And that he is able, he is wise, he is, and of course we know, he is all-knowing. He does not lack wisdom to be our coach, our instructor. And he handles us all differently because we are all different. And it's important we make space for one another in our journeys with God in the light of that. He invites us into relationship. He wants to take residence. Um, and it's all to our advantage. And then this week, we're going to talk, focusing particularly on the fact that he is present. Um, so we're going to confine ourselves to that kind of um, thought this morning and then we're going to pray for each other at the end uh, or everyone who is uh, wanting to and happy to be part of that we will do that the whole idea of us being the dwelling place of God Paul elsewhere in the New Testament describes us he says we're the temp our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in John 14 talks about the fact that he will be in you. There's a, there's a literalness to the fact the Holy Spirit of God is present within us. If you're a believer in Jesus, he is present. He is resident inside you, in your body. There's a, there's a kind of a physical, if you like, aspect to this. And I mean, that's extraordinary. God himself living in you and me. We had the privilege a few years ago of welcoming to the church meeting here, Andrew White. Andrew and I had the extra privilege of welcoming him into our home for lunch afterwards. Andrew White was the vicar of Baghdad, was his nickname. He's a man of extraordinary, extraordinary devotion to Jesus who has lived for years, he's no longer there now, he's had to be brought out, but who's lived for years in extreme danger, losing multiple members of his congregation to persecution, even to death, and pastoring those people. And this, this guy walks through our front door, and you think, wow, I tell you, there's a presence about him. There's something... <laughs> special. What a privilege that was to sit with him and to talk with him and to ask him questions and just chat about normal things as well as God things. You can imagine, you can tell that as I remember it, this has an effect on me. This picture is on our kitchen wall to this day. You can see the analogy I'm drawing, can't you? He's not God. You and I have this extraordinary honor and privilege 
of what being able to be invited to welcome into our hearts and lives and bodies God himself. You think, wow. And I think we kind of forget the wow <laughs> unless we kind of, like this morning, stop and think, whoa, this is extraordinary. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. He says to the disciples, if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. It's interesting. But if I do go, I'll send him to you. Of course, John the Baptist had declared that Jesus would be the one, the Messiah would be the one who would baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, Jesus said. So the Father gives the Spirit. Jesus says he will send the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one who comes. This is the Holy Trinity right there. And so let's just look. I'm going to run through some important points for us to remember about his coming to us and being with us. And then we're going to, then we're going to, to pray. First of all, as we kind of mentioned, he's invited, not imposed. Now, there are some exceptions in Scripture where uh, the disciples at Pentecost, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come, and he obviously knew that they were willing and ready. Um, and there's that moment where the Holy Spirit just kind of falls, and nobody knows when, it's, when he's going to come. And so he was not exactly invited in the same way there. And um, the Gentiles who are listening to Peter, the Apostle Peter, preach at Cornelius' house, um, there's a group of Gentiles, they're not Jews, and the Holy Spirit just kind of arrives and turns up. And whilst he's speaking, whilst Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls. And uh, that's a, a kind of an exception as well. Uh, but of course, both of those are first-time moments where the Holy Spirit came for the first time uh, at Pentecost to, to come and indwell believers. And then he came for the first time to non-Jewish believers uh, in Cornelius' house, where nobody was expecting that. The Jewish believers were not expecting it. They were amazed at what happened. There's debate about it in the, later in the book of Acts that you can read. And so other than those times... The general rule is, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come to those who ask to invite. And so, obviously, my encouragement to all of you is to be amongst those who ask, who invite, who say, yes, Lord, I want to receive you. And this isn't just a one-off thing. This is an ongoing thing, as we'll see in a few moments. So he's invited, not imposed. And the usual means of his coming is prayer and the laying on of hands, just praying for each other, believers, praying for one another with faith, expecting and believing that God the Holy Spirit will come again and again and again, and he does. There's an example in Acts chapter 8 where Philip um, has been preaching in Samaria. There's a revival that, that, that happens. You can read about it. Uh, but the Holy Spirit hasn't yet come, the Bible says, to those new believers. Peter and John are then sent. They arrive. Uh, and it says, Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Spirit. So there's the process again. When Simon, who was a new convert, who'd been a sorcerer before, saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. He couldn't have got it kind of more wrong, could he? And he gets thoroughly 
um, told so by, by Peter. But the point was this. He saw something. Something was obvious that happened that caused him to say, oh, wow, if I could have the power to do that, I could get some money. So I'm willing to pay for that. Something, it was something obvious. It wasn't just something kind of hidden away there and, and private. It was clearly evident that something had happened. So the usual means of Holy Spirit being received is through prayer and laying on of hands. And we'd expect some things to happen. He's available to all believers. He's available to all believers. By the way, you can see, see something happens throughout the whole of the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see every occasion something happens. It might be receiving a gift of tongues. It might be receiving a gift of prophecy. It might be praising God. All of those things, but it's, it's, it's obvious. Something happens. He's available to all believers. Jesus said this, Anyone, John 7, 37, who believes in me may come and drink. Rivers of living water will flow from within him. Now, anyone includes you, any believer. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you haven't given your life to following him, receiving the forgiveness that he offers to you and the reconciliation with God, then you wouldn't be yet in the position to receive his Holy Spirit in the same way. And if, you, if that's your situation, I'd encourage you to talk to us and we can help you to, to become a, a disciple and a follower of Jesus and to receive his Holy Spirit in your life to enable you to live the life that he calls us to lead. But if you are a believer, then Jesus says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. But there is a coming. That's part of the asking, the inviting. And rivers of living water, he says, will flow from within. There's the inside us bit again, from within his heart. So don't exclude yourself. He's here for every one of you. He is in you. He flows from your heart. And Jesus said, John 14, 17, he will be in you. So again and again, we get these references to the Holy Spirit indwelling, inhabiting the people of God. What an amazing privilege that is. Let's, let me read to you three verses from John 14. So I think it might just be two verses, actually. Verses 16 and 17. Jesus says this, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He will never leave you. That's the next point. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. We want to be led into the truth. Don't we? we don't want to be misled. We want good understanding of spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into the truth. The world cannot receive him, Jesus says, because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. You as believers know him because he lives with you now and Jesus is talking to the disciples and will be in you. Now, of course, Jesus is talking to the disciples before he's ascended and therefore before he sent the Spirit, which is why he uses the future tense there. He will be in you. Whereas for us, that time has arrived. We live in the age of the Spirit, so it's now for us, not a future thing. He fills your heart with his love. Romans chapter 5 says this, He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's love for God, it's love for one another, it's love for the lost. So yes, our emotions are moved when God's Spirit is on us. And he satisfies. Psalm 63 says this, 
Just close your eyes for a minute. Just try to meditate on these words as I read them to you. The psalmist says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I search for you. Maybe you could make this your prayer. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. He satisfies. His presence satisfies our souls. And he gives strength and joy. Psalm 84 says, what joy for those whose strength comes from God. Do you need strength today? Receive more of his spirit. Even as I'm speaking now, be receiving him. Receive him in Jesus' name. Receive him in Jesus' name. He grows godly character in us. We all need that, don't we? Galatians chapter 5. He empowers us with spiritual gifts. We all need that too. 1 Corinthians 12. He keeps on filling us. Ephesians 5.18 says, Go on being filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek text there, it is the present continuous tense. That's really important to understand. That's why the translation is, He go on being filled. It's not a one-off event. It's an ongoing, repetitive process. And then these streams of living water, Jesus said, will flow from within you. There's a flowing, a continuity to that. It's not a one-off event. The best analogy I could come up with was this. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will come and drink. And streams of living water will flow from within his heart. It's like a tap. It's like there's an internal tap in our, in our hearts that can be turned on to allow the, the presence and the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Or actually, somehow, we have a bit of an ability to kind of turn it half off or three-quarters off or like kind of not cooperate, if you like, with this ongoing being filled process that Paul instructs us to engage in is go on being filled and there's something active about that there's something that we're involved in rather than passive so we're not passive sort of waiting and hoping and wondering whether God might touch us and do something and through us no we're we're engaged we are asking we're seeking we're searching like the psalmist we are opening our hearts to him and saying, Lord, I just need this flow of your spirit flowing from within me, as you promised, to satisfy and to do all these things that he does. And that's at our invitation, because he doesn't impose himself. He doesn't force himself. That's not his nature. But he does offer. He's right within us. He's right within you, ready, willing, and able to flow. So this morning, as we recognize his presence within us, I'm asking you to respond to him and to say, okay, Lord, I just want to kind of open that tap again 
come to you and drink again and recognize my need of you, my need of your grace. How much more will my Father give, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how do we turn that tap on? Well, we ask and we receive prayer. Hebrews 6, it's, it's basic teaching, the laying on of hands, the praying for each other. It's basic teaching that that's the primary way that the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. There are all sorts of ways in which the Holy Spirit makes himself known and evidences himself, and we've run through some of those already. For me, my experience was when I first consciously invited the Holy Spirit to, to come and to be baptized in the Spirit, the, the, the key things for me at the time were, I, I realized, wow, the Bible's really come alive in a fresh way. And I began to, to, have, to engage in, and to be able to use spiritual gifts. Those are the things that happened for me straight away. Um, but what a privilege to invite Holy Spirit, to host him. Like we hosted Andrew White, we host the Holy Spirit within our hearts. So for me, in an ongoing way, it look, what does it look like? And I hope this helps you. It looks like frequent prayer, saying, God, I need you. I need your spirit. I need your flow in my heart, in my life. It looks like some extended times with him. But actually, less recently, I've noticed. So I've kind of wrapped myself on the back of the head and said, come on, Peter. Um, it's interesting what the kind of effect of pandemic has had, isn't it, on us? And I think, for me, it has been a bit more of a spiritual sort of, not exactly malaise, but more of a stepping back, less active, more passive. And I thought, oh, that needs to change again. Uh, maybe you're the same. Um, for me, it's looked like multiple times of being prayed for by other people. I mean, goodness knows, countless times over the years. Um, with very variable, all sorts of different results of things happening. Um, as I said, Bible Alive initially, spiritual gifts, gifts of tongues came later. Sometimes I feel stuff in my body, um, whether I saw heavy hands. I, I was really conscious of that this morning as we were worshipping. That's one of the indicators I get physically, the presence of the Spirit. He's here. That's why I came right up at the beginning. I said, he's here. He's here. Um, sometimes my body kind of jerks and reacts as if to being plugged into electricity. That, that can happen as well. Um, sometimes knowing a real peace. Sometimes a healing of profound wounds that I didn't know I had as God really touched me deeply. Been in some times like that. Sometimes tears, being overwhelmed by his presence. But you know what? Whatever it is, I've written in my notes here because it's true, it's always good always good so should we pray um, I want to encourage you to if you're happy to to engage with this to stand um, if you're not a believer or you're just really unsure about this or not sure at all then feel free to stay sitting but otherwise let's stand together and let's ask God to, uh, to touch us and be ready to pray together